today we are going to wrap up this series we've been doing called Hard Love. Hadn't this been a great series so far? Man, and God has been speaking to us in great ways as we've been talking through one of my favorite books of the whole Bible, the book of James. And today we're going to wrap this whole thing up by looking at James chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open them up there to James chapter chapter 5. And we're going to read that together today. While you're turning there, while you're getting your notes ready and your LG app ready to follow along today, let me just tell you, Easter is what? It is Next weekend, one week away. How many excited? Come on, you excited about Easter? We've been talking about it for a long time. Some of you just been thinking, man, I wish Easter would just get here so he'd quit and shut up about it. And, and some of you think, why, do we, why have we made such a big deal about Easter? And here's the reasons, because lives can be changed on Easter, right? People that would not come to church on any other Sunday will come to church on Easter. In fact, it just reminded me this week as I was thinking about it of my friends RJ and Tara. Some of you know RJ and Tara. Did you know two years ago, RJ and Tara came to church on Easter, actually on the Saturday night of Easter. I'm telling you, church, Jesus, all that stuff wasn't even on their radar, but their family invited them and both of them gave their lives to the Lord and their life has not been the same. Now they're serving in ministry. God has put his calling upon their life and all that happened because somebody invited a friend to come to church, a family member to come to church on Easter. And how many of you know, there are people like that that are just waiting on you to invite them. And when you invite them, I believe their life can be changed. How many believe that? right? And so here's what we want you to do. We want you to invite somebody to Easter. And we've tried our hardest to make that happen, that it would be easy for you to be able to do that on every one of your seats here today. You've got a little Easter invite card. We know that personal invitation is really the best way to invite someone. So we've made it easy for you that on the front is all the information about Easter. But then on the back there is a, is a place for you to be able to write just a handwritten note to them, hand it to them, mail it it to them, do whatever you need to do to get it to them, give them a gift and give it to them that way and invite them to be here next weekend on Easter. Also, some of you like to get a little more creative with your invites and so we want to help you with that as well. If you will stop by the little table out there in the lobby before you leave, Miss Tina will help you with a creative way to invite your neighbors to Easter and it'll be a lot of fun. I think they'll enjoy it and they'll want to come because here's the deal. When you invite someone to come on Easter, what you are inviting them is is into God's purpose for their life. And we're going to believe that as we present the message of the resurrection of Jesus, that lives are going to be changed. So how many would say, I want to be a part of that? Come on, right? All right, now, James chapter 5 today. What we have learned about James is that James is a straight shooter. Man, James tells it like it is. He doesn't pull no punches. He's not politically correct. He deals with some of the hard stuff. Everybody say hard stuff. He deals with the hard stuff. And we've already dealt with a few hard things as we've just walked through the book of James. We talked in James chapter 1 about how there's going to be struggles and trials that all of us are going to face sometimes in our lives. Even if you're a Christian, there's going to be some struggles and some trials that you're going to face. And then we talked about anger. How many have ever dealt with some anger issues before, right? We talked about how to deal with that. We talked about prejudice. Man, that was a big one. That's something that is happening in our world today. And we dealt with that a little bit. 
bit. Last week, we dealt with another hard subject when we talked about the power of our tongue and of our words. How many of you even this week found yourself saying some stuff that you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said it or I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. Raise your hand. Come on. Am I the only one? Right, right. And we've dealt with some hard stuff. And here's what we have discovered is that James deals with the hard stuff, but he does it from a loving, from a, for a loving reason because he loves us. That's the heart of why he talks about this stuff is he brings the hard stuff in a loving way. And that's why we've called this series Hard Love. Now today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with another hard subject. And here's the thing. When I tell you what the subject is today, probably at first thought, you're you're not going to think this is a very hard subject. Because this is a subject that really we don't think of it as like one of those that goes along with like anger and struggles and stuff like that. And yet at the same time, man, this is a subject that really is one that's hard for so many of us to deal with. And here's the reason is that we know so much about it. We think about it. We talk about it. We pray about or we preach about it. We say stuff about it. But here's the biggest problem. And the reason that it is a hard subject is because we just don't do it. And here's the subject we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about prayer. Everybody say prayer. Now, prayer is a hard subject. And the reason is because prayer is hard. How many would agree with me on that? Like we like to talk about it and we know a whole lot about it, preach a lot of sermons about it. But when it gets right down to it, we just we don't really know how to do it. It's it's like it's uncomfortable. Right. How many have ever tried to pray before? And it's just like it's awkward. Right. It's uncomfortable. I don't really know what to say. And I try to talk to God. But then, I, you know, I, my mind goes in all these different directions and there's all these distractions. And I try to have a time with God and then the kids interrupt me or I think about stuff that I got to do later on or all. All of this stuff that distracts us and the truth of the matter is, is hard. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it. James actually teaches us how to have a, an effective and powerful prayer life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what James has to say about it. In James chapter 5, let's look at it together in verse number 13. Let's read it. It's on the screen there. Let's read it together. It says, is any of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is any of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is what? Everybody say it aloud. Is powerful and effective. For Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Now, if anybody knew anything about prayer, it was this guy James. In fact, history tells us, tradition tells us that James had a nickname and James's nickname was Old Camel Knees. And the reason that people called him Old Camel Knees was because he prayed so much. He spent so much time down on his knees that he actually developed blisters. He actually, he actually developed knots on his knees because he had spent so much time in prayer. And Old Camel Knees tells us here a little bit about effective prayer life. How many of you would like to have a powerful and effective prayer life? Come on, right? 
And so what we're going to do is we're just going to listen to old camel knees here for a minute. And we're going to just see five things that he teaches us in this passage about having an effective and powerful prayer life. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one is this. If we're going to pray effectively, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to pray with faith. Everybody say faith. We have to pray with faith. In fact, look what he says in verse number 13. Is any of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered what? In faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Look at these words. The prayer offered what? In faith. If we're going to pray powerful and effective prayers, the key ingredient here is the ingredient of faith. In fact, here's the deal. Prayer and faith just go together. Like you can't separate the two. It's like peanut butter and jelly, right? It's like, it's like chips and salsa. It's like preachers and corny jokes. You just can't separate the two. The two go together. And here's the deal. When you pray, if you want your prayers to be effective, then you have to pray them in faith, with faith in your hearts. So here's the deal. When you pray, if you don't have faith, really all you've done is just said a bunch of words. They may be good words. They may, they may be impressive words. You, how many ever heard guys that just know how to pray? And when you're done praying, you're like, man, I feel closer to God because the words that they use. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, they can pray those prayers. We had this one guy in our church before we moved here in the church we pastored in, in Midland. And man, when he would get up and pray, like he had, this, he had this Louisiana accent and he would say, oh my God, you know, and he'd just pray like that. And I'm telling you, when he prayed, it was like, oh, wow. You ever heard people like that? I mean, they pray this eloquent prayer. And when they're done, it just is like, wow. And here's the deal is that you can pray all the right words and say all the right things and nothing happen if you don't have faith with the prayer that you are praying, right? And so many of us, man, we pray these prayers, but in our heart, we don't really believe that God is going to answer them. But here's what is incredible. When you pray and when you mix faith in with the prayer, then here's what happens. It becomes powerful. It becomes powerful. Effective. In fact, this is what uh, Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 21. Look what he says. And then Jesus told the people, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it'll what? It will happen. And you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, then you, you need to pray a prayer of faith. Now, some of you are going, well, that's hard, Pastor. Because how many of you ever have believed, but you just kind of really didn't believe too? Come on, right? And how many of you ever just, you prayed for something, but you weren't really sure if God was going to answer it or not? Maybe you had a little doubt in your heart. And what's the doubt? Where's the doubt come from? So many times the doubt is not that we doubt that God can do it, but so many times we doubt that God 
will do it. Come on, am I, am I the only one that's ever felt this way before? It's like, I know, God, that you are good, but I'm not really sure if you really care about my situation. I mean, I'm just a little old me. Or maybe we pray about something and we go, man, that seems so big. And God, I know that you're big enough and that you can do it. But, and I've seen you do it for others, but I'm not really sure if you'll do it for me. Come on, how many know what I'm saying, right? And you pray these prayers and you have a little of faith, maybe enough faith to pray the prayer, but then you have, you have doubt in your heart. And some of you even right now, man, you're praying about some stuff and you're believing God to answer some prayers and to do some stuff in your family and in your life or your finances or your health or different areas of your life. And you're praying, but man, you're struggling with this faith. And here's what's so awesome is that you don't have to have great big faith in order to see God answer your prayers. All you have to have is just a little faith. Everybody say a little faith, just a little faith. In fact, this is what Jesus said about it in in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. He says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith that is just as big as the size of a mustard seed. How many have ever seen a mustard seed before? It ain't very big. He says, if you just have this little bitty bit of mustard seed faith, you can say to the mountain, move from here and it will move. And all things will be possible For you, Jesus says, hey, you don't have to have mountain-sized faith in order for mountains to move. All you have to do is have mustard seed-sized faith. And this is what James was talking about. James is saying, hey, when you pray, here's what you have to have in order for it to be a powerful and effective type of prayer. You've got to pray in faith. Pray with faith. That when I pray, hey, it doesn't mean I'm not going to have doubts. It doesn't mean there's not going to be times that I'm not really sure. But I'm going to add a little bit of faith to my prayer and God's going to do the part that I can't do. Come on, isn't that good? So James says, how do you pray effectively? The first one is this, is that you've got to pray with faith. Number two, write this one down. How do we pray effectively? James says, here's how we pray effectively. We've got to pray with focus. Everybody say focus. Got to pray with focus. Check it out in verse number 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And if you have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, I want you to notice how specific James gets right here in this passage. Look what he says. He says, are you in trouble? Pray about that. He says, are you sick? Pray about that. Have you sinned? Pray about that. Notice the focus. Notice how specific it is. James says, if you want to pray powerful and effective prayers, then you've got to focus your prayer. You've got to pray specific prayers, not just generalized kind of prayers. And most of us, this is the kind of prayers that we pray. These generalized kind of prayers like, God bless me. Come on, right? Or God, help me to have a good day. Well, how do you know if it's a good day or not a good day? Like, if God answered that prayer, would you even know that he answered it, right? Even when it comes to repentance, we just say, God, forgive me of all of my sins, right? And here's what James is saying. No, no, no. I don't want you to pray general prayers like, God, help me. God, bless me. God, give me a good day. No, I want you to pray specific prayers. Are you sick? Pray about that. Are you in need? Pray about that. Have you sinned? Pray about that. Are you in trouble? Pray about that. And pray these prayers with focus. Pray these prayers Specifically, In fact, he goes on and says in James chapter 4 and verse 2, look what he says. You do not have. Why? Because you do not ask. 
Some of you, you got things in your life that you need God to work in specific areas of your life. And the reason that God is not answering those prayers is because you haven't, you haven't asked them specifically. You got to pray with focus. I mean, some of you got needs today. Some of you say, man, I need a job. Okay, great. So we're going to pray, God, give us a job. But we're not just going to pray just generally like, God, give me a job. No, no. We're going to pray specifically. Like, God, give me a job, but give me the right job. Give me one that meets all of our needs in our family. Give me one where I can use my gifts and my talents and do something that I enjoy doing. Give us one that is, that is uh, we make enough money to take care of our family, but also be able to be generous to God and to the church and to missions. God, give me a job where I'm going to have some nights off where I can spend time with my family, or I'll have Sundays off where I can be in church, or I have weeknights off so that I can be in my life group. I'm going to be specific about the kind of prayer that I'm praying. I'm going to pray focused prayers. I need a car. Okay. Let's pray. God, give us a car. God, provide a car for me, but let's get specific about it. Not just God, God provide a car, but God, give me a car that is a good car. One that runs well. One that gets good gas mileage. One that I can afford. One that's red with tan leather with a little pony emblem on the front. Okay. Maybe that's a little more selfish than specific, but I'm going to get specific about it. In fact, I can remember, you know, praying these kind of prayers before in my life. I remember it was about eight, nine years ago when we first, uh, when we first planted the church here. My, my girls were just little. They were about three and four years old. And we had, we had two cars that were, they were paid off, so praise the Lord for that. But they were old. And they were, you know, they were kind of getting, you know, a lot of miles on them and not very dependable. And now here we've got this growing family. We needed a dependable car, but we just started a church. We didn't have very much money. And I remember it was, it was a big need. And so I remember praying, God, we, we need you to provide for us a better car, a more dependable car that we can drive these, drive these little girls around in and we can take care of this family. And I know I can't believe I ever prayed this prayer, but I prayed for God to give us a minivan. I know. I mean, I just had to go ahead and turn my man card in when I was praying that prayer, but I did. I prayed God give us a minivan because that was probably what was going to be best for our family. But I remember we didn't just pray for a minivan, but we prayed specifically for the kind of minivan that we wanted. Like I prayed God, we wanted a Nissan Quest minivan. And we wanted a minivan that, that, had, that had less than 50,000 miles on it. And we prayed that. And we, we wanted a minivan that had the little DVD thing for the girls in the back, right? And then had the headphones for the girls to listen to for me in the front. So I didn't have to listen to their, to their stuff, right? And we prayed very specifically. We had a price point that we wanted to be under $13,000. And we prayed these prayers very, very specifically asking God, not just God, give me a car, but God, this is what we need for our family. And can I... I tell you, this is so amazing that it wasn't long after we began praying that, those prayers. You know what? My wife was driving around. She was driving around a Nissan, mini, a Nissan Quest minivan that had, that had less than 50,000 miles on it, that had the DVD player for the girls, the headphones for me. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Like we were driving that around. It was less than $13,000. And I'll tell you something else is that we didn't even pay for it. Somebody gave us the money to buy it. Come on, right? Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you pray specific prayers, here's what's going to happen. God is going to answer in specific ways. And when he answers in specific ways, then he gets all the glory. In fact, you even talk about it eight years later. But when we pray, God bless me, God give me a good day. How do we even know if God answered that prayer to be able to give him the glory for it when he does? So here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray 
pray with faith. We're going to pray with focus. Number four, write this one down. We're going to pray with feeling. Everybody say feeling. We pray with feeling. Look at what it says in verse number 16. I'm going to read this time from the New King James Version. Look what it says. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Notice that word fervent. Everybody say fervent. What does that word fervent mean? It, it means with passion. It means with, with emotion. It means to have, to have feeling. Here, here's the kind of prayers that are effective. The, these kind of prayers are, are the prayers that are prayed from our hearts. The prayers that, that we feel it, that, that, that there is emotion, that there is fervency, that there is passion. And here's the deal. Sometimes, especially if you've been in church for a long time, if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's easy to just kind of go through the motions when you pray, right? Like, you know all the words to say. You know all the motions to go through, and you're just praying because, hey, I know I'm supposed to pray. It's Sunday morning. I know what I'm supposed to say, or I'm praying for my kids at night. I know what I'm supposed to say, and you kind of go through the motions. And let me, just, let me just tell you this, is that there are times when you, maybe you don't feel it when you pray, but you just pray out of discipline and out of obedience because you want to have a relationship with God. And I believe God blesses that, amen? But here's, here's what you've got to understand. The kind of, the kind of prayers that truly touch God's heart are the prayers that have already touched your hearts. You see, prayer is not just meant to be emotion that we go through. It's meant to be emotion that goes through us to God. And when we have this kind of prayer, when we pray with passion and with fervency, when we get beyond our brain and and we let God move through our hearts, this is the kind of prayer that truly touches God. In fact, this is what James says about Elijah in verse number 17. He says, for Elijah was a human being even as we are. In other words, he has the same kind of emotions and the same kind of struggle that every one of us us has. But look what happens. He prayed what? What does that word he prayed earnestly that it would rain or that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years and again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced the crop notice this Elijah didn't just pray Elijah prayed earnestly he prayed with feeling with passion with fervency in fact one point it says that when he was praying for it to rain after it hadn't rained for three and a half years he got down into a position where he put his head down between his his knees. There was this. There was this feeling. He even was willing to become uncomfortable in order to express his heart to God. And this is the kind of prayers that God really hears. That when they come from our heart. In fact, Jesus even talked about the Pharisees. Remember what he said? He talked. He told about the Pharisees that you know how to pray all the right prayers and do all the right rituals and say all the right stuff. The problem is your heart is far from God. And here's how we can become sometimes as Christians. We know how to go through the motions, but it no longer touches our emotions. And when when we do that, our prayers begin to be flat. But when we begin to pray these prayers that say, man, God, I, I am expressing, I'm pouring out my heart to you. Those are the kind of prayers that are powerful and effective. We're going to pray with faith. We're going to pray with focus. We're going to pray with feeling. Number four, write this one down. We're going to pray with frequency. Here's the deal. Is that prayer is not just something you do every now and then. Prayer that is effective is something that you do on a consistent basis. In fact, this is what he says in verse 16. I love the way it reads in the message translation of the Bible. It says, make this your common practice. 
confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may live together whole and heal. Here's what James is saying. Hey, let this be something you do on a regular basis. Let it be your, your common practice. Let prayer not just be something you do on Sundays. Let it not just be something you do when, when it's mealtime or something that you do when you have a major need in your life. No, let prayer be something that is consistent, something that you do on a consistent and a frequent basis. This is the kind of prayers that are powerful and effective. It's when prayer becomes a common practice, when it becomes a part of our lives. In fact, this is what we see the example that Jesus actually lives out before us. We see it in Luke chapter 22 in verse 39. Jesus left the city and went, and look at these words, as he what? As he usually did to the Mount of Olives to pray. What is that saying? That's saying that this wasn't just a one-time thing for Jesus. That this was, a, this was an everyday occurrence. That, that every morning he would get up and he would go and he would spend time with God. And if we want our prayers to be effective and want our prayers to be powerful. It's got to be a part of our life. It's got to be something that we don't just do every now and then. It's got to be something that becomes a part of who we are, that we're going to pray with frequency. And just imagine what could happen if every single one of us began to have this kind of prayer life. Imagine the difference that it would make in your life. Imagine the difference it would make in your family. Imagine the difference it would make in your relationships. Imagine the difference it would make in your ministry, in your business, if you made this a part of your life. In fact, oftentimes it's the little small things that make the biggest difference. It's the little small habits. I like the way Craig Rochelle says it. He says, it's oftentimes the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. And so many of us look around and we see people who are living these lives that God has blessed that we want. And we don't see that behind the scenes they have have been like James on their knees, knees constantly in prayer. And that's the reason for God's blessings in their life. These are the kind of prayers that are effective is when we pray with faith, when we pray with focus, when we pray with feeling, when we pray with frequency. Number five, write this one down. When we pray with friends. How many know that praying by yourself is powerful, but there's something so much more powerful about praying with others? In fact, when we come together and we pray, man, there's something about it. When we come together on a Sunday morning, and in fact, in just a few moments, we're going to pray together. And there's just something, there's a multiplied power that happens when we join together. Yes, it's awesome to connect with God on on our own. But when we connect with God with our friends and with our family and with other fellow believers, when you get together with your life group and you pray together, when you get together with your ministry team and pray together, when you get together with your men's group or your women's group, and, and you come together in prayer, there is, there is a multiplication of what can happen. In fact, this is what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. He says, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And where two or three gather in my name, what does he say? He says, I am there among them. Jesus says, hey, It's great when you pray by yourself, but there's something that happens when you pray together. In fact, he gives us two guarantees. He says the first thing is that when two or three of you come together in my name, he says, I'm going to be here. In fact, today when we came, when we joined together at the end of this service and we pray together, here's the guarantee we have from God that God has said, I will be there among them. When you gather and you pray in my name, I'm here. 
And then notice what he says. He said, not only am I here, but I'm going to hear what you have prayed and I'm going to answer. He says, if two of you just agree on anything, the guarantee is this, is that God has heard and that God will answer that prayer. And some of you are here today and man, you need God to answer some prayers. And today, as we pray together, God's going to bring the answer in one way or another into your life because there's something powerful about corporate prayer. In fact, this is what James said about it in verse number 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be what? That you may be healed. The truth of the matter is that there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. Some of you are here today and you need God to bring some healing in some areas of your life. Some of you that are here that are hurting. The truth of the matter is there's a world that is hurting. There's a community all around us that is struggling and hurting. We all know neighbors and friends and family members and people in our lives that are hurting. And what what is the answer for those that are hurting? When we come together and we pray, that's when the healing comes. In fact, this is what the scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7, 7 and 14. If my people who have been called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then what will happen i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sins and i will do what i will heal their land man this week as we prepare for next weekend when many people are going to flood the doors of this church many who are hurting many who are struggling many who are far from god who come to church just because it's easter just because we're going to give their kids some eggs and some candy just because someone invited them just because that's just what you do on easter sunday they're going to come in they're, jesus is not even going to be on their radar but because we have prayed for them already because as a church we have gathered in prayer over them you know what's going to happen God's going to begin to open up some things in their life and he's going to begin to bring healing in their lives because he has promised that if as God's people we would humble ourselves and we would come together and pray and seek his face, then he would hear from heaven and he would heal our land. And that's what we're going to do today. In fact, the scripture in James chapter 5 goes on to say in verse number 14, is any of you sick? Let them call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And if you have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, as he, as he talks about prayer, he mentions something that actually not a lot of churches even practice this anymore because it seems like a little bit strange. He says, if you have a need, here's what you do. You, you call upon the elders of the church and you have them anoint you with oil. Now, that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Like, okay, we're going to get some oil and we're going to put it on someone's forehead. And some of you, even right now, as I'm talking about, you're going, oh, I hope they're not going to do that because that's kind of strange. <laughs> but here's the deal. There's something powerful about it. In fact, some people go, well, some people go to the far extreme. It's like, that's the, you know, you've got to anoint people with oil because the, the oil is the only way people can get healed. I don't believe that. Because you know what the truth of the matter is? It's really nothing but a little bit of common olive oil. Ain't nothing special, nothing magical about the oil. It's it's just it's just oil. You can get some Crisco out of your you know out of your cabinet, and it's. But here's the deal: is that the oil represents throughout the scripture. You you can see that the oil represents the Holy Spirit, and so it's not magical oil or anything like that. What it is is that it is a way of expressing our faith, and it's something that is in. The scripture, and how many know if it's in the scripture and if, if God told us to do it through the scripture, 
we probably ought to do it, right? And so today, here's what we're going to do. Some of you are here today and you have needs and you have things that you need God to do in your life, in your family. Some of you have come into this room and you have struggles, that things that are weighing heavy down upon you and you're struggling to have faith for that. Even as I talk about praying with faith, you're going, I know I need to have faith, but I don't have much faith because it's been going on for so long and this is happening and it's weighing me down so much. Others of you are here and it's not you, but it's a friend or a neighbor or someone that you're going to invite next weekend to Easter and you know that they're struggling and that their their hearts are heavy and they need, they need God to come in and they need to open up up their lives to him and find some healing and here's what we're going to do in just a moment I'm going to have you stand to your feet the worship team is going to come and they're going to begin to sing this song and what we're going to do is we're just going to do what the scripture asks us to do not in a weird way we're not going to get strange or weird or anything like that but I have a little a little bit of olive oil right here in my pocket and if you have a need this is what we're going to do we're going to just do what James says to do we're going to anoint you with oil and we're going to pray for you and I'm believing that God's going to touch your life And then some of you are going to stand in for your friends and your neighbors and the people that you know that you're going to be inviting next weekend. And as I anoint you with oil, we're believing God's going to touch their life because here's what we're doing. We're praying in faith. We we are praying together as a corporate body. And I believe that God is going to hear and answer those prayers today. Do you believe that? Come on.